Psalm 119. Now, every intention of just, let's get down to time of prayer right away. But for some reason, I felt that this has been pressing on me, just to, just to break this up a little bit for you, uh, that you might be able to glean something from the Word of God. Psalm 119. Let's just read a few verses as we skip over them. Psalm 119 is full of the psalmist looking to say, Lord, I need your word. I need your word. I need it for the promise. I need it in covenant. I need it to speak it. And I need it to live by it. I need your word. Just bear with me and let your eye run down to verse uh, 9, please. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Notice what he's saying. The only way we can find cleansing, not as even in the day of pollution of the mind, where you've maybe been at the workplace, even at home, no matter where it is, and maybe someone's just polluted your mind and the enemy's been lying to your heart all day. Listen, this is where it's all cleansed, in the word of God. So let the Lord just wash over you with his word this evening. Let your eye run down to verse 16. I will delight myself in my statutes. I will not forget thy word. Notice what he's saying here, Lord. See your word. I'll not forget what you speak to me. Let that be something now that we say, Lord, as we come into a time of prayer, time of praise, I'm not going to forget what your word tells me tonight. Whatever he speaks to you, whatever he says, Let your eye run down to verse 17. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. So now, it's not only that he will uh, take heed to the word in verse 9. He will delight or not forget the word in verse 16. And now in verse 17, I will keep thy word. You know, I'm going to keep your word, Lord. In other words, I'm going to trust you for everything. I'm going to trust you for those things that seem impossible to me and what you have told me. I'm going to believe you for greater things. I'm going to keep your word in my heart because when we don't keep his word, the enemy likes to uh, apply his word to you. He likes to apply his word that you'll listen more to him. And that's what we tend to do. We listen to what the enemy says. You know, when the enemy tells you, you yeah, you'll never be forgiven or you can't come into his presence and God won't hear your prayers and nothing's going to work out for you. And he just hammers you all day long. Well, the Lord says he's a liar and he's a father of it. And you say, Lord, I'll keep your word. I remember, it's like watching like a sentinel. Uh, uh, uh. It's like going to Buckingham Palace and you see the, the boys at the front there with the red tunics and the big bearskin hats on, you know, and they're standing ready. That's the idea of it. I will keep it. You've said it. I don't care what's going on in my life and I'm not looking at what's went on in my life. Lord, your word says this. I believe it. I'm moving on with you in my life. Then when we go on down again to verse 25, my soul cleaveth to the dust. Notice, here's when you're really dried out. Here's when you're really struggling. This is when things get really hard. This is whenever you, you know, your tongue's cleaving to your mouth, as it were, and you're saying, Lord, where are you help? Notice what he says, quicken thou me, make me alive according to thy word. Lord, make me alive. Let your word speak. You know, and whenever the God's word enters the heart, just one little word, it's enough to cause the dead back to come back to life. It brings spiritual resurrection and comfort to our hearts. 
Then when we go down to verse 28, my soul melteth for heaviness. Do you ever feel like that? My soul melteth. Not just, I'm feeling bad or down. or Everything in me is just, it's almost dripping away. Melting and running away. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. What does God's word say about strength for you? I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And say, Lord, you strengthen me because that's what your word says. I'm believing God that when we're stepping forward to praise and pray, putting all these things that we'd want to stop you from praying. It doesn't matter what sort of day you had, week or month or year you've had. You say, Lord, I am going to praise you and I'm going to pray. Notice, let your eye run down to another one. Verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Lord, will you establish it in me? That means, will you engrave it within me? Because we, we tend to let it go so easily. And then the next one down, verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Now let thy mercies, that's what we're looking for. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. When we do not get that which we do deserve. And every one of us deserves God to say, you know what, I've had enough of you. Every one of us deserves God to say, I'm finished with you. But mercy says, you're not getting that. But rather you're getting what you don't. You're not going to get what you do deserve, really. You're going to get more than that. You get grace. Which is when we receive that which we do not deserve. You see, so here he's saying, let your mercy. I know what I deserve. But yet, Lord, your mercy, Lord, let even thy salvation, or the word salvation is the word Yeshua or Yeshua. That's where you get uh, Jesus, as name, it's his name in Hebrew, Yeshua. So he's saying, Lord, see in your mercy, even your Yeshua, have come according to the word. Your word is Yeshua. He is the word of God. Jesus is not just a, a, a portion of God. He is almighty God, fullness of God. And he is the Alpha and the Omega. We're going to look at that in a moment. And always every letter from, it's English A to Z, you know, the Alpha and the Omega of the Greek is the beginning and the ending. And so Jesus is every word that God is <laughs> and everything that God is. And he said, according to that, then let him come. Let, that, let, let your salvation come to me according to thy word. Notice next verse, verse 42 so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. Lord, I'm getting hammered by the boss I'm working. I'm getting the boys and workers just getting on top of me and things are happening or someone outside has been saying this, that or the other. Listen, he's reproaching me. But notice what he says. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me for I trust in thy word. I trust in thy word. And then verse 43. And take not... The, the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hope in thy judgments. So now he's saying, Lord, let me speak your truth. Let me know it, and let me not forget it. Verse 49, remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. So the word that God gives us that causes us to hope tonight, that he will neither leave us nor forsake us. The word that God gives us, uh, uh, be not disguised, neither be afraid. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The word that God gives us, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. 
The word that God gives you, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The word that God gives you, he can do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. The word, these words that God gives us, though I am with you always, even to the end of the age, I am the Lord. I change not. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And we're hoping in all of this because even though we change, even though our families change, our lives change, the surrounding area changes, our towns and villages, governments, kings and queens change, he remains the same. Never changes. Our love changes. We love him one day more than the next and less the next day than we did the day before. We change. We change when mood swings. We change when we're feeling better. We change that we're, we're happier one day with him and next day we're fell out with him. You know, all of these things are happening. And he's saying here, Lord, you've caused me to hope in your word. You've remained the same. And that word that I hope in, he says, that word that I hope in, he says, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Lord, you've caused me to hope in this. Remember it, O Lord, because this one and that one, this man and that woman and this one and this and let them, let them all go. And you say, Lord, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just hoping in you, trusting in you. Let your eye run down again to verse 57. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. If God's your portion, you want to live according to his word. Not God a portion, but your portion. Not a portion of you, but your portion. It's a big difference. A portion of us is when we give a little, and he means a bit. But when God is your portion, it means he's all you are, all you live for, all you need. Strange Austin was saying the other day, she was talking, I can't remember who she said she was talking to, and they're talking about hobbies now, and I asked what my hobby was. Austin says he doesn't have any. I don't, I, I don't have any sporting hobbies. You know, the time I would have gone to my gym when my garage is free, but that's about the height of it. And I have no hobbies. My hobby is getting into the Word of God. That's my portion. Let him, let him be your portion tonight. Throw everything else out. Let him be all. Not a portion. Be the portion. Your portion. Now notice here what he says again then in verse 58. I entreat thy favor with my whole heart. Isn't that beautiful? I entreat. See the idea of entreating? You know it gives the idea of? A dog licking his master's hand. Now, see my big dog. See, every time I go to put him to bed at night, he comes in, he's a big bed, and he's quilts and all, have all these quilts and all for him, a big furry blankets and all, you know, and a bit zoned off in the garage for him to go and sleep in. He's got his wee double dish where he gets his wee treat. Now, I even turn the garage light on, it's a timer, and it comes on for a wee while just to kill him, just to break him in, you know? When I open the door, he flies in. You know, he flies in from the back. And he's a big brute. And as I'm walking down the, the garage towards where his bed would be, he runs down the bed and he screeches the halt. And next thing, every night, and he spins around, he flies up there and knocks me off my feet. And he lies against me and he starts licking my hands. He just wants me to, he just wants me to rub him and scratch him and play with him. Every night. The idea here is entreat, is that's what we're here for. Come as it were, as the servants of the Lord, and say, Father, we're entreating you. We're coming because you're our master. We're here for you. We love you, Lord. That's the idea of this. So it's beautiful. He says, I entreat thy favor. Lord, we're looking for grace. Well, had mercy, now we're looking for grace. I entreat thy favor 
with my whole heart. Listen, see when you're here, see if we don't put our whole heart into it. It's not that we're working up an energy. It's our whole heart is a giving over herself. Listen, see if you get up to pray. Forget who's in front of you, behind you, beside you. See if God's moving on you. Don't you worry about it. If you have to get on your knees, if you have to land your face, stomp your hands in the air and praise, don't be looking around you and wondering, it's your whole heart with him. It's your whole heart with him. Notice, I entreat thy favour with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Here he's saying, Lord, you've told me you'll be merciful. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so he's saying here, because you're so merciful, I'm taking you at your word, because you've told me if I come, you'll be here. You've told me, Lord. You've said that if I come in repentance, you forgive. You've told me, Lord. You've said this. You, you, and that's what we do. We're coming because you said it. Verse 65, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Notice, the Lord allowed affliction to come in order to bring him back. Isn't that amazing? He says, Now I want to keep your word. Notice, let your eye run on down to verse 74. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me. Because I have hoped in thy word. Here he's now given a testimony. He's went astray. The Lord's afflicted him. He's now going on well, keeping the word. He said, look, see when the Lord see me, they're going to say, what on earth's happened to him? He's keeping the word of God. He's loving the Lord. He's doing great. And then when you go to 76, let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Notice, your merciful kindness comforts me. God, being so loving and merciful, should comfort you tonight. He's not here with a big stick to beat you, you know. You're his, you're his children. He's here to say, I'm here to love you. That's right on down to verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Do you ever wish, Lord, I wish you would just come? Wish you would just come. Verse 82. My eyes feel for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me now? He's going, Lord, I need more of you. The idea here is he's saying, Lord, I'm looking for more of you. It's never enough. Then we go to 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's how sure your word is, God. You've already said it in heaven, so it stands on earth. It can't be changed. Doesn't matter if people say God does or does not this day. God does what he wants because it says it in his word. And then if you let your eye run down to verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. We could go on and on. I want to show you something for the depths of the word of God and something beautiful about this psalm and the Hebrew uh, language here. You see, if you turn back to, to verse 1, now when you read through Um, Psalm 119 you'll find that there's wee blocks do you see them in it's like in blocks of eight verses a block of eight verses a block of eight verses you'll read that there's a block of eight verses 22 times 22 times because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet so when you read at the very start there Aleph Elf it's 
the letter or letter A if you want. And it goes from it goes twenty two letters. Ours is twenty what's ours, twenty six <laughs> twenty six letters in our English language. For example, in the first there you see in, at the top of verse one, Aleph. In there the Greek have taken it from Aleph to Alpha. Okay? So Aleph in the Hebrew, Alpha in the Greek, and it's the letter A in the English. And so before they had these letters, I'm sure your Bible has the actual Hebrew lettering beside it. Well, you see, that is not, that is not the, mo- the most ancient of Hebrew. Let me tell you what it was. It was called a pictograph. And a pictograph, you had picto, and then you had paleo, and then you have the present. So pictograph was like, for example, you had the Sumerian tablets with all the carvings in the stone. When they're telling the stories, the Hebrews had early Hebrews had that too, but they had what's known as pictograph. For uh, you would have the the Egyptians, for example, they had all their paintings, and they could you could read um, on the walls when 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 they when they had painted the hieroglyphics on the walls. You can read the lettering. People would tell you what's being said, and it's pictures. So pictograph was before the Hebrew. Then you had Paleo-Hebrew, which was a simpler form. And then you have the Hebrew that we have here today, which is the, the letter you see beside it. And Aleph is the letter A. It's the Alpha. 26 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. 26 bars, if you want, or 26 stanzas, as it's called, of eight verses. It's broken into each. Here's the wonder of the depth of the, the Aleph, uh, or pardon me, the alphabet. For example, it's alphabet is, if you look at Aleph, and if you look at verse 9, just above it, it says Beth. So, Beth means house. House. Aleph means strength. But it also means father. So when you have Aleph, Beth, it's a father's house. The pictograph on Aleph would be the, the head of, a, of an ox. The horns, just the head. And they just carved out in the stone they had it. And that stood for the strength, the character of the ox. The strength of it. The power of it. And so what are the, the, the idea of Aleph and Beth together, it, it's, what, it's what it comes from of for father. So we have, for example, Avram was a father of many people. Avraham, father of many nations. Can you see it now? So, so here we have the, the father's house, Aleph, Beth. And the alphabet is a Aleph, Beth. Our alphabet comes from there. That's how we get the words alphabet. But notice, I don't want to go too complicated in this, but notice this, just something that really just open your eyes a little to some of the things here. For example... When you have the name of God, i.e. as in, you have El and El Shaddai and all those, we're not going to those, but when you have the name of what's known as the Tetragrammaton, the Tetragrammaton is when you see Yahweh written in Y-V-H-V-H-V-H-V-H-V-H-V-H-V, not right, Yahweh. Yeah, and then so, but here's, here it is in this... Y-H-V-H, that's what it is. I was doing it back to the front there. Okay, so when you have that, you have this in the alphabet. 
Let me show you the pictograph. You ready now? The pic- this is how deep God's word is, how secure it is for you. For example, Yod, let your eye go over the sa- or number th- verse number 73. Yod. That's where you would get like a Y. In the, okay? Yod. I know it says J-O-D, but it's actually Y-O. Okay? Now, the idea here in the pictograph, it's actually an arm. It's like, it's like a wee stick man, like, but it's like an arm and a wee hand. That's what it looks like in the pictograph. I'll maybe bring more of this out sometime and do it in PowerPoint. But it's like a wee arm and a wee hand. Okay? Now, remember this. Yod, he, vow, he is Y-H-V-E-H or Y-H-W-H. Okay? So Yod is a man's arm and the hand, okay? Now, if you go to He, which is in verse 33 above it, He, do you know what the pictograph is? It's a wee stick man with his arms up like this. It means behold. And I can give the idea of breath. Shouting out, behold. It gives the idea of exclamation. Behold the Lamb of God. Okay, so it's a wee stick man is in the, the pictorials, and it's like this. So you have the hand, and then you have the wee stick man. Your he, var, if you want to look it up, is in verse 41, just above it. And it gives the idea of being secure, but it, it actually looks like a Y shape. But know what it is? It means tent peg or nail. So your he, var he. He, again, is you going back to the man. The wee stick man. Here's what you have, right? Yod, arm and a hand. He, stick man, as though we be mama with his arms up. Ovai, uh, you have a tent peg or a nail. And then he, the stick man. Okay, if you can imagine that. That's what you have. That's Yahweh's name. Now let me give the interpretation of it when you're at the hand that calls or reveals the nail brings revelation. Let me do it again. I want you to get it. Yahweh's name, Y-H-V or Y-H-W-H. The unpronounceable name is called the Tetragrammaton, okay? Yod, okay? Yod. You look at it with me. I want you to look at it. Yod, it means arm, right beside it. Do like a wee stick man's arm, like a wee L shape with a wee hand in the end. That's what you need to do. So it's the hand, okay? Yod, hey. Is behold, breath, shout out, look. It means revelation. Holds up the hands like this. We man holding his hands up like this. This is what was carved into the stone. And then you go back to Uvai. Your hey vai. That's the V or your W. Okay? You want to go to it? It means nail or tent peg. That just looks like a letter Y. And then he is the man again. Standing like this. It means behold, breath, revelation. Okay? And when it's read out again, when we put these together, the hand that reveals the nail brings revelation. Isn't that right? Do you know what that means? The hand that was nailed to the tree is Yahweh. He brings a revelation of himself. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So when you go into this, when he said, Lord, it's your word. You know now, you know now why he's so deep in it? I'll, I'll hope in your word. 
I'll trust in your word. I'll keep your word. I'll live by your word. Because he knows the full depths of the word. He knows the full depths of the word. This is the spirit showing him this. He's going, this is, this is blowing the psalmist's mind. One more before we pray. One more before we pray. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, so you'll forgive me if I can get this one wrong. Okay. For example, the word here for behold or hey, that's in above verse 33, the wee stigma, okay? Brings re- it's meant to be revelation, but it's a wee man. Hey, and then Beth, above verse 9, which is for house. So you have uh, Bethlehem, house of bread. House is Beth of bread, okay? And here we have again this hey and then Beth. Now see if it was written in, in, uh, in pictograph. You'd have the man, then you would have, and what they done usually for a house, it's not the, the letter you see here. It's as though you're looking from a bird's eye view, and it's just like a wee squick, you know, like the at sign when you're doing the, it's like that only it's square. And it gives the idea of the house, you go into the house, and you have a wee wall up where the women were on one side and the men were on the other. So you'd look down into it, and you see, as if God was looking into the house, there's the entrance in, the men were not saying, the women were not saying. So here, this is what it means. And then you would have the alf at the very start. So you have the wee man, okay? You would have the house. But on the other side of the wee man, of hay, you would have the alf or the ox head. See when they are written together in the Hebrew pictori, uh, pictograph and then brought into the Hebrews, know what it means? It means father's house. Look, behold, towards the house of the father. And when you bring it into the Hebrew, you know what the Hebrew word is? Look, behold, the house of the father, for it is the word for love. It's not mighty. Here is your love and your strength. Look to the house of the father. Look to the house of the Father. That's what all those pictographs mean. So rich in this. So next time someone says, oh, you want to read Psalm 119, 176 verses, you say, what? I want to dive into it. So the idea here is that we're here to come to the house of the Father. That when we come to praise, when we come to pray, seek his face, Right from the days of early, early Hebrew pictograph before their language was formed. In fact, a lot of our English language comes from the Hebrew. In fact, a lot of other languages come from Hebrew too. Derived from it. Really, whenever we look at this, we're saying, we're looking to the house of the Father because there is the house of love. That's the house of love. So now we say, I have hoped in your word. I'm looking to the house of love. I trust in your word. I'm looking to the Father's house of love. I'm relying on your word. I'm looking to my Father's house of love. There is strength and there is hope. Everything is in the Father's house of love. So brothers and sisters, tonight that's where we are. We're at the Father's house of love. And he's saying now, come my children. That's the idea of it. Come, sing on to me. Pray and seek my face. The Father's house of love. God bless that we study to us.